Welcome to Looking for the Ocean, where we talk about everything Pixar has ever made and what it means to us. I'm Dean Vincent, and as always, I'm joined by Mark Young. Today we're going on a detour? Question mark? Because we're talking about two shorts today. One of them is, of course, a Pixar short, which is Piper, a classic Pixar short, uh, as classic as something from 2016 can be. Um, and then we're also talking about, we're returning to our old buddy, Sashka Unseld, as he discusses Chipotle, a love story. Mm. Um, what an but, incredible fact to learn that he directed this. I was when I was reading about it before watching. We were like, "Why? Why are we talking about this one?" I was like, "Oh, Sashka, he's back." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does he still and, have the juice? We'll find out. Yeah, sure. He's always got juice. He's a really entertaining director, and. I, I hate this short, but that doesn't mean that it's not well-directed, especially in the context of the other Chipotle short films, which I know that you didn't get a chance to check out, but this one is far better than the other two that they released. I watched Piper first. Pi- Piper. You want to do Piper first. Okay, what's, what's Piper about? Piper is the first Pixar short film to win the Oscar for Best Animated Short. Since For the Birds, so that's a 15-year gap of wins for the, in this category for Pixar. Um, Disney had, of course, won for Paper Man as well. They're in there. Maybe Disney has another one in there that I'm unsure of. But this is the time Pixar came back and asserted its dominance over the category because this and then Bao wins in a couple of years, too. Um, and I can't remember if Kip Bull wins. Kip Bull, I think, gets nominated, but I don't know if it wins. Um, but we'll get to Kip Bull eventually, and we'll talk about that then. But this is directed mm-hmm. by Alan. But Br- Br- <laughs> I'm, I'm stammering. Al- Alan uh, ba- Barillaro. Uh, Hold on. Hold on. Let me open thank up. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thank you. Piper short film director. Well, <laughs> it's difficult for everyone. It's Alan Barillaro. Barillaro. Um, this is his only thing he's directed. Um, after this, he went on to supervise animation on Incredibles 2 and then animate on Soul. So will be the only time we ever talk about him, but this, his entire Wikipedia page is just about his ideas for Piper. So just kind of showed up. was like, I want to make a short film about Pipers, Sandpipers. And it was like, okay. Um, and yeah, well, Piper is, it's cute. I don't know. It's, it's a short film about a Sandpiper baby, mm-hmm. very photorealistic animation, and the baby just wants to eat. But yeah. the waves scare the baby. Yeah, I don't have any strong feelings about this short. I just think it's very well made. It's not It's not really about anything. Um, it seems kind of like an exercise. And it doesn't it's even have the relationship that the umbrellas have. That we can argue about as being like a stupid relationship or whatever. So it's just, it's just a fine short. I actually do think it has a nice logic to it. Um, that I feel like it's, it's true that a kid would get over their fear accidentally instead of like really learning a lesson, you know? So I think that's nice. Um, I also think it feels very long. Uh, I think, I um, I don't know how you feel about that. I think, uh, to be fully disclosured here, we're recording this episode hours after the Oscar noms come out and... I don't know if Mark knows about me, but on the day the Oscar noms come out, I get very into actually like watching them 
and very focused on them and like dissecting in my brain. So I would say for both these shorts, is Piper I was canceled? What? Is Piper canceled because we have to watch to talk, talk about the Oscars? No, 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 no. We're going to talk okay. about Piper. Because the thing about Piper is Piper released in front of Finding Dory. So even though I watched it now and was kind of distracted with my own mental thoughts about the Oscars, um, and let me tell you, even though I was distracted during Piper, the reason I was distracted by Piper is also I've seen this short so much because I saw Finding Dory like I think three or four times in theaters. I'll give you the exact number in the Finding Dory episode. And this played before Finding Dory. Um, I actually remember, and I want to get into this now because I know our guest for Finding Dory will not just care about discussing aspect ratios with me. Um, you don't know that. I don't know that. Who knows? Well, let me but... double check something really quick. Finding Dory aspect ratio. Because if I remember right, I saw it in the wrong aspect ratio. Mm. What is a 1.781 aspect ratio? And then what's Piper's aspect ratio? Is this is this in CinemaScope? Piper, is it in CinemaScope? I don't. I didn't watch it in CinemaScope. It's 1.851. I think you'd know if it was in CinemaScope. Well, then I think what happened was I saw the movie. Yeah, I saw them. Okay, so Finding Dory was just projected wrong the first time I saw it. It was put on a 2.35 aspect ratio. I thought maybe it was Piper's fault. No, I think it was just the entire film was messed up. Like, I think they just messed up showing it in a way. Um, mm. So I saw this crop the first time I saw it. I remember that bothering me during this and Dory. Because it was like, it was very obvious too, because it wasn't like. It was like the Disney logo started and I didn't see the bottom of the letters type of thing. So I was just like, uh, all right. Um, hmm. But regardless of that, um, I've seen this short a lot, so I feel comfortable talking about it anyway. Um, I also think initially I was like, wow, the animation's great. And I don't really think there's much going on under it other than like, oh, well, the bird's cute. Uh, this watch, I did notice one thing I really liked. Which was... Well, I shouldn't say this watch. I should just give general thoughts. I think, yeah. I don't know. It's what you said. There's not much to this. There's a... There's a there's a bird. It wants to eat. And eventually it sees a crab. And it learns how to do crab stuff. I have two thoughts. One is, it's interesting this is with Finding Dory. Because I think one thing Pixar usually does with its shorts... Is it gives you something that's not in the movie. So, like, Lava. Very clearly a different world than Inside Out. Sanjay Super Team. Very different style than The Good Dinosaur. Piper is about being underwater, much like Finding Dory is, but still a different art style. But one thought I had during it was like, the big money shot of this is the Piper underwater. And this is before you're going to watch an entire movie set underwater. And I don't know, mm -hmm. I, there's, I don't know if there's much to that <clears throat> beyond like, that's interesting, but it's a thought that crossed my mind. I was like, it's interesting to compare the water here to the water in Dory, um, because the water in Dory is much more I'm used to. I guess it is kind of a money shot in the sense that the other money shot in this short is, like, the sand. The sand is really cool to look at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and I do... It It is interesting to compare the two. I think that Piper is kind of off doing its own thing while Finding Dory looks like an updated version of Finding Nemo's Water. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know where I was going with that point. It's kind of a dumb thing to say. Um, but anyway, anyway, you were saying... Um. <clears throat> My other thought that came while watching this short that was new to me is I actually really like how the camera's in this. The camera, to me, feels like a character in some aspects. The camera's constantly, like, unsteady, but not, like... I don't know how to describe it, because I'm, like, doing stuff with my hands right now, and we're on a podcast, mm. so that's useless. But it's, like... It feels like the camera's in the water, and it's, like, bobbing up and down a little bit at points. 
But also the mm-hmm. moment I really noticed it was like when the Piper first like leaves the nest and it, like falls over and the camera like looks around for a second and then the Piper pops up and then the camera focuses on it. I was like, I kind of like that because I feel like the attention to photorealism is only really sold on the idea that this is an actual cameraman like documenting this. Mm-hmm. And I think that is actually what makes this short really work and shine is the camera work and the editing, like the zooms, all that. Um, it's something where... Otherwise, I think this might hit Uncanny Valley, but the fact that it feels like, oh, well, there's a camera guy trying to keep up with this little cute thing makes me forget that. But I don't think anyone ever actually put that into words when reviewing this short. Normally, I'd agree with you, but I don't think that the character of the camera person adds a whole lot. I feel like you could have also... Hmm? It adds verisimilitude. I don't know how to say words. Verisimilitude... Um, but I don't think, but I think that in, in like nature docs, you know, you, you also have still shots and obviously you're always aware of the presence of those photographers, but it's not like they're doing office style camera work to capture nature. Um, I guess what, so I don't, I, always... I don't think it's like natural. And I, I think, I do think that it's nice when we only have one, we have you know, maybe like five characters in this short and they all have different personalities. It's nice to add something like the cameraman because these these characters don't have like huge personalities and they're not like super zany. It's nice to have it's nice to have have another person to say that this is a lighthearted experience. I just don't think it 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 does a whole lot. No, oh. well, no. I was looking for something to talk about here. I don't think the photorealism is that interesting because we kind of talked about it in the Good Dino episode. And we'll talk about photorealism again when we get to Soul. I'm sure. Um, mm-hmm. I find like the character designs like it's whatever. The birds, they're kind of cute, but they're birds otherwise. So what's there to talk about there? And then I was like, well, we could talk about camera movements. Uh, the idea of the artificial camera error. Like I think about all the time about how I remember being very excited for Man of Steel and. I, believe, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I know, so I won't actually, but I don't think we have a, I won't, I won't name it, but him, but a former guest of ours, I believe has expressed to me the intense hatred of fake camera errors, such as the Man of Steel trailer, where Superman's flying by, it's like, oh shit, I have to zoom in to get, get the photo, I have to zoom in to get Superman, he's going by so fast, or mm-hmm. like, in The Force See, well, Awakens, that's... where out of nowhere you have this zoom, quick zoom in on the Millennium Falcon, because it's like the camera's trying to keep up with it. And that's, that's like, totally it. It's like, where is this cameraman? You know? What what does this mean? I mean, maybe and it's then... like, it's Flick from A Bug's mm-hmm. Life. He's just kind of jobbing cartoon land. There's a shot I think about in Boogie Nights a lot, and it's, it's in when they're in the diner, and it's when Burt Reynolds is laying it all out. Um, and he has this giant monologue and during the monologue, um, you know, you know what, uh, do you know what I'm talking about? Because another good example is that shot in taxi driver when he's on the phone and the camera pans away for him from him. So it's, uh, just an example of like when we are given some insight into this character behind the camera, you know, and and I think about those moments and I think that like, oh, well, we obviously have this emotional connection to what's going on. So it seems like 
it seems like a kind of release for us when the filmmakers acknowledge how we're feeling in that moment. But with something like with something like Man of Steel or Force Awakens, for uh, example, I used. Yeah, yeah, Force Awakens. I guess Awakens. just J.J. Abrams' work in general outside of, like, Super 8, because I feel like the Star Trek movies also play into this a lot. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the Star Trek movies, the you know, they, they do kind of answer the question of who's behind the camera, because in... Lens the, well, Lens Well, Lens Flare looks cool. Um, but I think, like, when you're on the bridge and, and shit's flying around, you can say that, oh, we're in the perspective of, like, other people on the bridge, you know? So we are we're having this subjective experience of of their fear and then in taxi driver you're having this subjective experience you're having um it's not the right word but you're having like the experience of embarrassment which is not exactly what travis bickle is feeling and in the shot in boogie nights you're having the experience of uh, uh mark Wahlberg's attraction to julianne moore and his interest in her more than what Burt Reynolds is talking about and like his aspirations as a filmmaker. Um, and, and like, obviously that conflict is like the, the business side and then the personal desires is like the conflict of the film Boogie Nights or, or one of them anyway. So you see, yes, I see that in there, and even I will, I will actually defend the shot of the Millennium Falcon in the Force Awakens because in the trailer, I feel like it. Uh, the the trailer for the Force Awakens is so good because I feel like it's talking to you right in that moment, and so I feel like it, I hate to be like this, but like in the digital age, that is the first shot that we get of the Millennium Falcon is this blurry zoom in i actually i don't know i get a little emotional about it because the force awakens trailer is so good um but i also i also get that in like the man of steel it's a it's a little hard to say like why what what that uh what the zoom ins are doing and i also do think that like normally the digital stuff looks fake and things like that Hot take, it kind of takes me out of the end of the Fablemans because it looks so That's actually uh, Oh my gosh, I can't I can't believe I forgot much. <clears throat> that's actually what the like the thing reminded me of was like the little like looking for the uh looking for the ocean. Looking for the piper. Reminded me of yeah, the end shot of the Fablemans. Mm-hmm. Mark's about to tell you guys and he already did that he hates the shot, but let me tell you it's an incredible shot. I mean, it's a great storytelling shot, but anyone who's ever pan ever tilted up a camera knows that that's not what it looks like. You know, I think well, yeah, that shot, that shot is like engineered to go out of its way to be like, to, it has this unsteadiness to it. And it's like, this is the character of Spielberg as a boy still, uh, you know, struggling to get things right. So there's this artificial. It's not Spielberg as like, a boy. It's Spielberg acknowledging that as an adult, he won't always get it perfect, Mark. It's not, well, yeah, this it's, film didn't come out in 1970. This film came out in 2022. Well, Spielberg's still having this boy in him who's still learning. I'm just saying that it it goes out of its way to tell us that it tells us that fact without actually showing us what that looks like, and that is annoying to me because I think you'd get it if the blur was done in the way that if that blur actually happens when you tilt a camera up. Um, 
I mean, so, I don't know. I feel like you just accidentally analyzed why the ending of the fifth element is so touching, and you're like, I hate this, and I was like, oh, wow, that's the best way I've heard someone put why the ending of the fifth element is great, <laughs> even though you were saying you didn't like it. <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, I'm just saying, I'm saying what's going on, but you could have done it in a way that looks true, you know? Mm. That's all. But... Yeah, Piper, it's it's just kind of unclear why the, you know, what what this camera work means. Um, yeah, that's all. And, I, and also, I did want to say about, like, it feeling long. I don't know why I'm comparing it to Partly Cloudy. I think it's because I, I did watch Elemental recently. So I'm thinking about Partly so Cloudy, which, uh, you know, I didn't, I was whatever about Elemental. Um I'm I'm on the I'm on the side of like I see why people went to go see this. Um but partly cloudy is like joke, 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 twist, and then the end. Um but the like I don't know, I don't know there's something about like the structure of Piper where it seems like the danger happens so late. Like we spent all this time setting up how clumsy this bird is and then that's not actually what the short is about it's like yes it's a young bird but we spend all this time establishing how clumsy the bird is and he flops around like that and then he gets hit by the tide or the wave coming in and then the second half of the short begins and it's like so how are these two things connected i think that's that's what it is is like what is this about like a, a bird learning to take its first steps or a bird learning to not be afraid of the water you know yeah i don't know i feel like the whole thing is just i i remember this getting like a huge positive reaction before finding dory and i'm like animal cute i get it like i too like cute animals i forgot there was a postcard scene i sat through it got to the postcard scene i was like oh that's a cute little animal but then it's like there anything beyond cute animal not really well there's one th there's one thing i think we should talk about piper before we move on with unless you were gonna talk about something else with piper i was just gonna say that better a cute animal than an ad for a corporation well but... that would be a really great transition but i'm not done talking about piper so hold yep, on yep all right sorry okay. we have to talk about the composer about of piper because it is like mm. a silent score and did you look at this composer's wikipedia page no it's composed by robert Ballou who is best known for his long career as the singer and guitarist in King Crimson. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, the score of this was done by, the I believe, the lead singer of King Crimson. Or one of the singers, I guess. Hmm. Um, the main guitarist, at least. He's also worked with Frank Zappa, David Bowie, Talking Heads, Nine Inch Nails, a lot of people, according to Wikipedia. So um, this, the singer? I know they had a few singers... What? He's the frontman. It says frontman of King Crimson. Mm. Longest member of King Crimson besides founder Robert Fripp. Okay, Robert from Fripp is the guy that I know. Okay. Is Damn. Adrian Ballou. Well, very cool. Yeah. I don't know, I All felt right. like it was important to mention that the composer was in King Crimson. This is the only yeah. thing he's ever composed. And I actually think it's got a pretty solid score. Like, it's nice, not like I remember anything from it, but in the moment, it's like, the score is really what's telling the story. So that's kind of cool, mm -hmm. I feel like. So. Yeah. 
don't know. I All right. Like we had to mention. We had to mention it before. We yeah, Chipotle. yeah. Just, you like, know who scores Chipotle love story? Overlook that. Who who scores a love story? It's not Chipotle a love story. They're all. It's it, it's all these things are listed as a film by Chipotle or whatever, and then that's whatever the name of the short is. It's not Chipotle a love story. Well, do you know what the music is? Do you can we no. say what the music is? Ah, well, it's that way. Which I was yeah. thinking about the Weird Al version eBay. Yeah, kind of confusing marketing on their part to make us think of the Weird Al song eBay. During yeah, the commercial. I don't know why they would do that. This is a commercial for Chipotle. Yeah. Um, I, never mind. I was going to say something, um, but I'll, I'll hold on to it for later. Um, but I thought this short, um, again, I watched this short and then I go to the press release, which is really the only information I could find on it. Um, and I see, like, who even directed this? Why is this on all this? And I see it's Sashka Unseld. And I'm like, what? That, this was him? Yeah. I wa- I didn't read a press release. I read an article about it that made me so angry. But that was <laughs> I wish I could recreate the experience of reading this article to you because it was it's like paragraph and paragraph and this short directed by Sashko and so like, what? And I was like, "Oh, he's back." He's back and this time mm-hmm. he's selling out to the man. Uh, he's always sold out to the man. He made that German rail advertisement with the weird children. But that one was good. Because it was in German we had no subtitles, so we had to assume cool stuff was happening. Yeah, man, that's so true. Whenever I watch something <laughs> subtitled, I... We've had this conversation before. Like, I really love subtitled things because I imagine the dialogue is, like, so good. And I can't tell if the actors are doing a bad job. Um, but... Yeah, Chipotle anyway. Love Story, for people who don't want to watch this on Vimeo, and unlike Piper, where it's like, I feel like, if you're listening to a Pex Barber podcast, you've probably seen Piper. Um, yeah. It's a story about two kids who fall in love. One of them has a lemonade stand, one of them has an orange shoe stand. But instead of falling in love, they instead decide to become business competitors and create an evil metropolis around them. But then suddenly they accidentally fall down the garbage chute because they realize their food tastes bad. And they decide to open a food truck and have a kid instead. And at the very end of the film, which is kind of like Borrowed Time, a huge laugh that I don't think is intended to be a laugh, turns out they're watching a Chipotle ad at the movies. <laughs> and, I, and it says, join our rewards program. And I just start laughing that these people park their giant food truck at the, oh, the front of a drive-in movie theater, blocking everyone's you behind them, and then everyone's just watching Chipotle ads. <laughs> Yeah, I'm. I I think I would have been very angry at this short had I not watched the other two films Chipotle made, and I've decided that this one is the least evil. So I'm I'm kind of curious. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, what are what are your what are your thoughts about it? Well, first, I feel like this is a little this is around it, but not. When it was prevail, no, it was already an issue people were talking about. Like I remember when Avengers: Age of Ultron came out and had like that slowed down cover of "I have no strings, but now I'm free." And then I remember, uh, very specifically, I don't know why this movie keeps coming up because it came up on our Tomorrowland episode a bit. But the long forgotten movie that made like 150 million dollars at the U.S. box office, Dwayne Johnson is San Andreas Earthquake. 
Um, <laughs> he plays the outtake in the film. No, no, no. But, but I remember the trailer for that being set to a very slow cover of California Dreaming. And people were like, this is an epidemic now. Uh, and then watching this and it's just like, ooh, what's the music going to be? Because I hear like little instrument, I'm like, that's vaguely familiar. And then it's just a slow, sad cover of I Want It That Way. And I'm just like, oh no, Sasuke, what have you signed on for? <laughs> Although I don't know what Sasuke going to at this time. So I guess maybe I wasn't like that. I was like, oh no, how is this a Pixar short if it's just this? Um... You know, you know, here's what I'll say. I I don't, I think the only, the only thing we watched of his that wasn't an ad was the umbrella short that everyone hated. He's only made ads. No, one of them was an art installation, wasn't it? No, that was a, that was for a car company. Oh, well, it was a cool ad. Yeah. It's funny because we have have an unofficial rule that we're not covering any Pixar uh, commercials. And it's like, for Sasuke, we make an exception and only cover his commercials. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, he's there. It was a really good, that was a really good commercial. I'm, I'm just saying after the fact, it was either a commercial, not like not a commercial, but it was, it was like sponsored by a car company. So I just think it's so funny to like go from directing like the big Pixar short, like playing with, um, Photorealism is the first time at Pixar, and then going to work for Chipotle. Uh, I know you got to pay the bills, but I don't know. Just Chipotle to me is just so sad. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so think... funny that like people are trying to. I don't know people. I think I know a lot of people who talk about liking Chipotle, and for a while, I mean, I just was doing a temp job at the Empire State Building, which has a Chipotle inside of it or not inside like kind of around the corner and i know a lot of people were eating at that chipotle but uh their their brand image is kind of irrevocably fucked for me i don't, and I don't eat chipotle. you know yeah i think i've had that like once or twice but it's just not something i don't know it's not something that i care about and everything i know about them is like every controversy associated with them and not like not I was I'm trying to be fair when I was thinking about this I was like uh, do any of these big fast food things like not have a controversy and I think no but that's what makes these Chipotle ads more annoying is they try to position themselves as being unlike other giant fast food corporations when really they're like I mean they're just they're just one of them too you know I is I go, I look at this, and of course it's a commercial, which I realize we should, like, I, I keep wanting to say something about that, and I realize Sashka, you know, um, the train one that I forget that I keep, Ollie's Chance or whatever. Um, yeah. That one also had my thought, it's like, these characters just look like Kleenex commercials, but in this case, mm-hmm. since it's, like, actually a commercial with, like, the funding a commercial gets for proper, like, shading and, like, shadows and lighting and all that, it's like, I'm watching, I'm like... These are just the Kleenex guys. I'm annoyed I'm watching the Kleenex guys right now. Why am I mm-hmm. here watching these Kleenex guys? Um, that's just kind of frustrating, you know? Um, yeah. I don't know. I feel this is an episode of the show where it's like, what, what, what are we talking about here? These are both two, like, pure sugar short films. I think a love story is particularly insulting just because it's 
not only that it's a commercial, but I think the fact that it's specifically a commercial advertising their new rewards program, so it got me really annoyed. It's like, love is rewarding. Join our rewards program. And I was like, what? Where did that come from? Yeah. I just, uh, man, I, I read this article prepping for it that was all about I don't know. I'm not even going to give airtime to this thing. It occupies such a big space in my mind, but it was this guy talking about like, oh my gosh, this is such brilliant advertising. And I've read this for fucking every, every, every fucking article written about all these, these, uh, advertisements is like, oh my gosh, everybody loves this surprise. You didn't think that a brand would make a short film. Would you people on Twitter love it? Here's what they say. Buy my book. And I am just angry at everyone. I don't even know if that rant made sense. No, um, I get you. Yeah. Uh, so it's hard, to, it's hard to research this, is I guess what I'm saying. I'm just like, I'm gonna, um, I, I have the, the, the video still open, so I'm like, is there even any, I don't know. I thought it was... The kid looks like the kid from Clive of Chance Meatballs. The girl looks like a Kleenex commercial. And the kid, the boy just wants to, like, you know immediately date this girl then he becomes old because they decide to commit to the bit that they're I don't know sometimes I feel like I'm being way too critical of like stuff like oh wow like look at this commercial implying that people live their whole lives like in a lemonade stand but like I also can obviously recognize that's a commercial so like me demanding for more complexity to its character's portrayal is patently ridiculous but well I think if any if any commercial asks more of your time than like 16 seconds then you can criticize it you know I was kind of poking around on the Burger King and McDonald's websites to just see the kind of things that they made and uh also like Chick-fil-A recently put out some short films about their thing and and I think I think Burger King put out like a horror short or something like that and I'm just like, I, I can't believe that you think you, you are the worth video games? like seven minutes of my time. I Do remember, remember the f- them. I don't. I never played them though. I've, I've just seen people I never play them. them either, but they look like good games. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. That's that's what's so annoying about these things is that like, I just I just don't know. I just don't know what service they think that they're providing by putting this out into the world like what about this is is funny or entertaining or anything like that a lot some of the other short films that chipotle put out there was one that was an advertisement for a mobile game and so it's like oh well then you can like go play the mobile game and supposedly that will be fun but i don't know what what the point of this is yeah you know you can join the rewards program though if you're like a big fan of Chipotle. I just think in what you said like about the implication here, where it's like nothing in this commercial is about Chipotle, but it shows you these people who have two soulless jobs in a place that makes manufactured processed foods that's disgusting, and at the end they choose to go to Chipotle after opening up their own like truck. So it's like I guess Chipotle isn't like these other places in the commercial. Because these characters are going to Chipotle. Or rather, they're at the movies watching the Chipotle movie at the drive-in theater. <laughs> yeah. And I've, the, told I mean, that, I've told that story before about the M&Ms, right? I start it, because I think you might have, but... I went like... to go see the film Divergent with my two of my friends. 
One of them was my friend Justin, who I can say the name of because why not? Um, and we're getting the trailers for the movie, but we don't even get the trailers. We get the Eminem commercial. And you know the Eminem commercial that's been playing in front of every movie for the last, like, now over a decade, where it goes, this isn't a movie, this is an envelope. Oh my god, oh, we're yeah. gonna die! That, that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that, that, that That has trailer, jokes. That commercial ends. Yes, yes, it's a good commercial, but it's also like, oh my gosh, put something new out, please. <laughs> um, commercial ends. Justin just turns to me and my other friend, they go, he goes, you know... I really think they should make an Eminem movie. <laughs> We're like, why would they make an Eminem movie? <laughs> He's like, oh, that was yeah. a good trailer. I think. I've yeah, told this you before, you right? did. T- you told this story like a long time ago, and I don't yeah. remember all of it, but it's one of our earlier things. Um, yeah, it's funny. Now we're talking about it. It's like Eminem's is known for not making new commercials, just <laughs> running the old stuff. He is real. <laughs> <laughs> Will they ever retire it or remake it? Hopefully not. We like the we like watching the nineteen ninety-four CGI and Yeah. And you know, I don't wanna I don't know, I can't I can't be so naive as to say that just putting a brand in front of you doesn't do something subconsciously. But I I want something more than that if I'm gonna sit through something. Um well, I, don't I would know. like I don't, some free sure. Do you also like that the dog looks like he's straight from Tintin? I don't know about straight from Tintin. I mean, I, I, I don't know. It's just a dog. Do you know what also the ending of this reminds me of? Do you remember? Like, maybe you don't see this because you're not on Twitter. But I always mm-hmm. see, like, for some reason, like, maybe it's, like, not even Twitter. Maybe it's, like, TikTok and other places. But weirdly, there's, like, a scene from the 2013 movie Turbo, which is, like, look at this guy making a taco in, like, a DreamWorks movie. And it's, like, a Mexican character, but it's, like, the whitest taco ever. <laughs> I don't know if you've not seen this. Mm. It's just no, a thing that, I like, always goes viral, but never for, like... It's always, like, the initial post is, like, look at this beautiful animation of representation in media. And then all the quote tweets are always, like, this This is the whitest taco ever. What is going on? <laughs> like, this, mm-hmm. this, this movie shouldn't have been allowed to be released. And that's what the ending of the short reminded me of when they were making the tacos. I was like, oh, is this, like, the, the clip that goes viral? And I was like, oh, no, that's from Turbo. Yeah, their food is probably worse than the food that you could get at Chipotle now. I'm just, yeah. like, that's that looks like one of those things in, if you go to, like, Bushwick what? or whatever. I know this is super relatable to everyone, but it's like you go to one of those stands in Bushwick, and this <laughs> looks like one of the things that you have to, like, it's it's like this hipster place, but you have to, like, walk past these food trucks to get to the real food that's somewhere else like this I, is always like oh we're getting close but now you, we have oh, to like go deeper if you own a taco truck which these two people do and then you go to the movies and you see that the movie you're seeing is a chipotle movie wouldn't you be kind of upset like why don't we have a movie for a taco <laughs> truck <laughs> I just like that now I'm just like I'm not watching commercial for Chipotle yeah. they came to see the new movie love is rewarding join Chipotle D rewards <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. This episode know. is it's, not sponsored by Chipotle, by the way, in case you can't tell. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of funny because you did say like I don't know. I feel bad analyzing this as a short film because it's obviously a ridiculous advertisement, and yet here we are. We're compelled because 
like what else is there <laughs> the show we, I don't we know. could uh I was gonna say at the end if you want to talk about the Oscar noms we can but also we could just move on and have people listen to every podcast for that I don't mind talking a little bit about the Oscar noms I don't know if you'll like I'm, neither one of the, your shows the two shows will be like contemporary so it's not like we need to prioritize one or whatever I'll just I'm I'm thinking about this and I'm thinking about like man I think you can learn more about um. Yeah, I mean, they, they give you about as much information about the company as anything, but you could watch, like, a Geico commercial and l- learn everything you need to do about making, like, a good, effective, humor- humorous commercial in, like, no time at all, and it would be better than this. And, I mean, I should say that this is, like, such a... It's so obviously technically proficient, but it's not breaking any new ground it it seems like uh it it just it uh it seems backwards and it seems like those i don't know if these were ai generated images it's it's like uh it it has like the emotional complexity of like a banksy painting or something like that you know it's just all of this uh, animation knowledge in service of nothing so yeah i yeah. agree there was one joke in here where they put they both put a poster on the dog and I appreciate that they respected us enough to not show the poster getting stuck to the dog the second time. It's only shown in a wide shot as like not the focus of the image. So I felt respected there, which was nice. Otherwise, I felt like the short was a waste of time. Um you could you could put any brand at the end of the short and it would mean the exact same thing as like wow Chipotle's really rehabilitated their image with this one yeah uh anyway uh, uh Oscar noms I don't know I feel like alright about them I think that it's weird Margot Robbie was robbied mhm I do think that it's weird Joe that Hizashi they have... was robbied too I do think that it's weird that they have two Barbie songs in the best original song category. Why because, is that weird? Well, I, I don't know. the one thing like, I think is normal about these knobs, maybe. Well, maybe it's normal, but, like, I don't know. Aren't you, like, splitting the votes there? No, I think I'm just Ken, and... It'd be different if it was the Billie Eilish song and the Dua Lipa song, but I feel like very clearly, here is the song that's in the film that's a musical number, and then here is the song that's, like, the pop song. If it was two pop songs, yes, that'd be, like, maybe a little weird, but I feel like... I'm just Ken obviously is in a different niche than the Billie Eilish song. Mm. I will say, I like that I can now say, even though I should have been able to say it two years ago, Academy Award nominee Jeffrey Wright. Um, that's nice. To a lesser extent, even though still good, is Academy Award nominee Sterling K. Brown. Not mad at him for taking taking Charles Melton's spot, because why would I be mad at Sterling K. Brown uh, when I could be mad at Mark Ruffalo? Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding, also, honestly, because... Uh, all supporting actor noms. My other thought I keep saying is, uh, supporting actress is by far the most category I've ever seen. Where it's like, well, there's really only one option for me to vote for. <laughs> if I was an Academy voter, it's like there are there are. F- I haven't seen Nyad, but there are three good, decent performances, and then there's one performance that's like, wow, that's like an incredible winning performance, and it's the person who's been sweeping all the awards since shows to win the Oscar, which is fine. Cause the Holdovers is a good movie, and Divine Join Randolph is great in it. Mm. 
Yeah. Yeah, I don't really have more thoughts than that. It wasn't a year where I'm, like, mad at any of the films. And even, even the May weird Oscar... Well, I'm, like, sad that it got that it got not recognized. But, yeah, whatever. I mean, like, the Oscar Beatty movies, I haven't seen them, so I'm not angry about them. It's not like it's when not Spotlight Barbara, came out and I saw Spotlight and I was actually angry at Spotlight. Um... But I haven't seen, like, Rustin or American Fiction, so I don't know if I would hate them. So I'm just like, oh, well, Jeffrey Wright's out there getting I mean, nominated. Our American Fiction isn't really comparable to Rustin at all. Rustin and Nyad are the ones that people are just like, it's really weird that these people were able to turn on Netflix and watch these movies and like them, and Mayor December was apparently a big turnoff. I don't, well, I don't know about turnoff. I don't know, like, what the behind-the-scenes were. I'm just, I just mean they're, like... They're just they're just kind of like uh, I don't know anything about Nyad, so that's what I'm that's what I'm saying about the other two is that they just seem like oh this is like a pretty conventionally made drama, so that's all there is to it, um, with with like some social message as well. So, yeah. Well, Mark, I can't say this yet because I'm gonna record my Snub Club episode. But what do you think will be our Snub Club nominee? I I will not re- respond at all. Uh, oh well that'll be fun because then i'm just gonna say this to dead air but i don't know if i looked at them closely i will tell you what are my options so 13 nominations is oppenheimer 11 is poor things 10 is killers of the flower moon 8 is barbie 7 is maestro and then in my opinion this is where you have to pick is the like you you can pick any of those but then mm-hmm. five is where there's no way one of these will walk home off an award. And those are American Fiction, Anatomy of Fall, The Holdovers, and Zone of Interest. Now, I, mm. I need to point out just to be clear, not that I'm telling you to pick Anatomy of Fall, but be aware Anatomy of Fall is not nominated for foreign language. Because I feel like that would be like a spot where you're like, well, it's got that in the bag. And it's not nominated there. So. I just I don't know why Zone of Interest wouldn't win that award. Which well, is not maybe a, it I, would I win against Anatomy of Fall is my point. Yeah. If Anatomy of Fall was there. You know what? I'm uh, Maybe I didn't read them carefully enough, but I'm going to take a big swing and say poor things. Interesting. Yeah. I will. I keep my thoughts embargoed, but I have my thought locked in already from mm-hmm. the nominations. So. All right. Um, now we got to give stuff to the movies, the shorts that we watched today that were not the Oscar-nominated shorts. I gotta say, also, wait for Oscar shorts. Very happy. Wes Anderson's probably gonna win his first Oscar by in a way. I would say this is kind of like cheating because it's like, oh well, cool, you made a short film. Good job, Wes Anderson. Of course, we're gonna give it to you because you you're fabulous. And in a short film category, you're the most professional person here working. Um, yeah, it's like, oh man, is is Wes Anderson on Twitter being like, short films are cinema now? <laughs> Actually, remember he very. I really love Guillermo del Toro, no, no. but like. Do you remember? What, no, no. Do you remember what? No. Do you know why? I told. I don't know if he says on mic, but I think I have told it to you. If not, do you know why those are short films and not like a compilation film, be, uh, like The French Dispatch? It's literally just because the French he was Dispatch like, isn't very good. Shut up! It's like Wes Anderson's like best of his recent one. Literally, I think it's my third favorite Wes Anderson movie, so shut up. Anyway, move, right, we're not going to litigate that right now. But <laughs> I feel... Oh well, oh, well, I haven't watched it in a while. You don't you don't mind the weird Timothy Chalamet episode? It grows on you I after a bit. When you realize it. that Wes Anderson doesn't care about politics, the point is about lost love and mourning mm. your youth. Um, anyway, but... 
Wes Anderson explicitly said the reason he did these as shorts and not as a film was because he's like, well, I wanted to do the book. I discovered that the Roald Dahl estate has the rights to every Roald Dahl novel unadapted, and Netflix bought them a couple years ago. So I go to Netflix and ask, can I make this movie? And they're like, you can make it for us. And he's like, but I... He didn't say, I don't want to make a Netflix movie. He's like, in my opinion, my movies are meant to be seen in the theater. So I decided to make them shorts instead because I didn't want a film of mine to be stuck just on Netflix. <laughs> so wow. he literally, in his mind, it is not a film. It's like, I made a short because I don't want to make a Netflix movie. <laughs> why would I do Like He's like, why would I do that? So... <laughs> Wow. Massive respect a, to Wes Anderson for What that. a Chad. <laughs> but, All right. Um, well, wait, wait, wait. The other thing I was to bring up the short films was, and that would lead us back is uh, it made the long list but did not make the nominees. I was very happy. Is that Disney's advertisement for the 100th anniversary did not get nominated for animated short. Oh, that thing where they had every character? Yeah, where, which would have obviously won if it was nominated because the people who just were like, saw it on TV be like, oh, well, they like that one, you know? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. kind of like how the Wes Anderson one's going to win because everyone will have seen it, you know? Yeah. But. Mm-hmm. Anyway. It, yeah. Is the one that's is the one that's up the one where he floats? Yeah, it's Henry Sugar. It's not the other one. They only submitted Henry Sugar. Okay, cool. Well, all right. Here on Looking for the Ocean, you know, a lot of a lot of film shows they like to give films something like thumbs or star ratings. I w- and here we like to give the film something like an actual gift or a physical object or something like that. And here we are at the end here, and and I think that for these shorts, I think an appropriate gift for them. Uh, I don't know, would be a Banksy painting. That's all. Oh, well, I, I have an answer. For Piper, I would like to give it a longer episode just about it, because I feel a little bad how quickly we went through it, but there also was nothing to talk about, you know? Mm-hmm. I think we, po- talked, we talked plenty about Piper. Yeah, but it also, like, didn't deserve to share this episode with Chipotle had. <laughs> like, this, to be very real, is, like, no one really deserves to have their episode shared with Chipotle had, Right? Perhaps that is true. But, and oh for well. the Chipotle ad, I'd like to give it a nice Taco Bell gift card. I want to psych it out. Be like, enjoy some real R-I-P. food and give it a Taco Bell gift card. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Just mess with it a little bit. So we, I don't have, I don't have a Taco Bell where I live right That's now. Sad. Yeah, it's really weird. It was, it was actually one of the funny things about moving in here was with my roommate who knows the area really well he's like this is such a nice place uh but there's like not a mcdonald's for miles Mm. we only have like local cafes and things like that and it's just funny because i'm like obviously hearing that i was like oh well whatever but now now we're here and i'm kind of like oh well it would be nice to have some taco bell or something once in a while but anyway Looking for the ocean is no, produced. No, no, oh, stop doing that, Mark. No, yep. Stop doing that. Stop it. Maybe, 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 maybe I just want to be surprised every week. You know. Well, okay. What are we doing next week? Well, next time we are going to be discussing a film. Film. Sorry, I was opening up the doc, but I noticed you didn't put in the guests yet, which is fine. 
We're discussing Finding Dory, of course. Mm-hmm. Piper was before Finding Dory. We gotta talk about Finding Dory. Uh, Andrew Stanton's back. Um, it's, you know, Dory, we're gonna, we, we are mm. gonna find her. Find yes. what she means to us. All yes. right, now we can go. <laughs> yeah, and we're gonna have some guests um, who are, were actors that I was just in a show with. Um, and I haven't, I haven't gotten their information in because I like booked them as we started recording. So yeah, that'll be great. Um, I'm really looking forward to that. They're, they're great folks. And I think, uh, you know, it'll just be a great episode. Um, but yeah, that's what's coming up. All right. Looking for the ocean is produced by Mark Young and Danny Vincent. The show is edited by Julius Jefferson. Our artwork, original artwork was done by Sarah Knopf. Follow us on social media at Facebook at Looking for the Ocean, Instagram at Looking for the Ocean Pod, and Twitter at Pixar Journey. If you need to email us, we're at Looking for the Ocean Pixar at gmail.com. If you'd like to contact us, that's the best way to do it. And you can also check out our website, Looking for the Ocean Pixar.podbean.com. You can find me at MarkYoungPerformer.com, where you can get on my mailing list, which is up now. Uh, If you're not on social media a whole lot, that will just be ticket updates i will only send you an email if there's something that you can go to i'm not going to be like here's a life thing or whatever um and you can also find me on mark young insta uh thank you to everyone that came to the shakespeare reading that happened two weeks ago i think um and yeah keep an keep an eye on there because something is happening right now and I don't know what stage it'll be in, but, you know, stuff's going on. But, yeah. Yeah, and I am Danny Vincent. You can find me on Letterboxd at Blankmints. You can, uh, you know, all my takes on all the movies, listen to the Stub Club, where I will reveal in our episode on um, the China Syndrome what my pick for the Snub Club, for the Snub Club 2023 is. I don't know if that. Ep- when is this episode coming out? This episode is dropping on February 9th. So I will have said that already on February 5th. So that will already be out there. So check that out if you want to. All right. See, All right. see you next time. See you next time. It's going to be great.